Welcome to Season 5 of the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another motivating episode that will help you to shock your potential. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, we are talking about something you guys all know means a lot to me, and that is mindfulness, taking care of ourselves mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, just making sure that we're aware of the whole person because it impacts not us only our personal lives, but definitely our professional lives and our businesses. And I can't wait to talk to our guests today because I know we have something in common. So you guys know we're going to like chat nonstop about that. But her name is Alexandria Thibodeau. She's an interpersonal communication and relationship strategist. And her company, you're going to love the name, Boundary Badass Consulting. And through this, she helps people create and maintain healthy relationships in their personal and professional lives. Now, why does she do this? Well, she knows from experience, and I know a lot of you guys feel that same way. She started out in a career that really kept her kind of feeling like she was in the rat race. She worked for a clearinghouse, and she started in customer service and rose through the ranks till she had a very prominent position as a business analyst. Now, when you do that, along the way, some piece of you kind of dies sometimes, <laughs> and I think that that's what she found, too. She's always been fascinated by human behavior, and so she said, you know what, Let's, I'm going to go after a degree in psychology and figure out where to go from there. So now she's an entrepreneur, a coach. She doesn't want to work a conventional job, I completely understand, because for her, it robbed her of her peace, sanity, health, and well-being. Now, she's also an HSP. She's a highly sensitive person, as we know, and I've shared many times, I'm a highly sensitive person as well, not just because we might get our feelings hurt, although that can happen, but because we're a little aware in the world in a different way and we process information differently through our central nervous system. And for her and me, working in traditional settings can be challenging. Traditional roles can diminish us of our quality of life. But as an entrepreneur, there's something different. Now, here's just a couple of the areas that she really likes to focus on. She has a special interest in working with individuals who are obviously also highly sensitive, narcissistic personality disorder survivors, and those recovering from emotional trauma. So she wants to work with people that really can benefit. She also has a strong commitment to anti-racism work, Black liberation, climate change, activism, and animal rights advocacy, which I know is important because she has a few fur babies I hear. She wants to make this a more compassionate world for us all. And we're going to learn all about it. Alexandria, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my goodness. Michael, thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor and a privilege to speak to you and your audience. I'm excited. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it as well. Before we started taping, I told you it's just been a little bit more than a year when, uh, since I found out that I'm a highly sensitive person. And mm-hmm. I always knew that I had a strong intuition. I also knew that I was, you know, I always joke, it says highly sensitive doesn't mean it's just because you get your feelings hurt, but we can. Um, yeah, because we process things in the world differently, but I didn't know that there were other people like me. I just always thought I was 
you know, highly sensitive in a different way. And uh, people would say things like, well, get over it. Or why don't you just get happy or put a smile on it? Or why are you so stressed? And now that I've learned more about it, I've learned so much about how to take better care of myself. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about why, you know, like how you learned about this with yourself, but why this prompted you to take a whole different journey in your life and make a career change and move into entrepreneurship. Thank you for asking. Well, first I want to say, uh, I'm so happy. Welcome to the club of highly sensitive HSPs. We are awesome. According to Dr. Elaine Aaron, who is a psychologist who discovered and coined the term highly sensitive person in 1991. She says that we are the royal advisors to the warrior kings and all of our aggressive societies, which is what Western culture is. So yay us. So I'm so glad you discovered that about yourself. (laughs) So I actually discovered that I myself am a highly sensitive person through uh, my hellacious corporate career. (laughs) Essentially what had happened was, like you said earlier, I was joining the rat race, um, you know, working for this corporate clearinghouse, really boring, not fun, soul-sucking, horrible. And um, eventually what happened is I did eventually leave that job. I chose to protect my peace and I left after three years. And I started thinking, okay, what am I going to do? I made a promise to myself that this is the last time I am ever going to work a traditional conventional job slash career. I'm making a promise to myself. I'm not going to do it because it's not for me. It's not aligned. Well, um, Mm. soon after I left, uh, I was living in St. Louis, Missouri, and my husband actually got a job offer in Denver. So this is where we live now. So we moved. And once we moved, uh, financial panic started to ensue. And I'm like, okay, um, the sticker shock here is real. Uh, we got to pay these bills. Like, oh my God, I need to make money. What do I do? So I panicked and I broke my promise and I ended up getting a regular, you know, office job at a staffing company. And I lasted two weeks, had a breakdown and quit. And I knew I didn't want the job because I didn't want it. I just had to make money. I didn't know what to do to make money in a way that felt aligned. I cried on the way home from the interview because I didn't want the job. And so when I quit, I was on the phone with my friend and I said, what is wrong with me? Honestly, what is wrong with me? Like, I understand that, you know, most people don't like their jobs. Most people aren't happy with their jobs. Most people's careers and jobs aren't their ideal, but they find a way to manage. They find a way to push through. I have exhausted all possible options and resources. My mental health is suffering. Like I, what is wrong with me? Why can't I hack this? And she says, I said, I'm crazy. I'm crazy. She said, you're not crazy. You're just highly sensitive. Mm. Now, when she said this to me, something clicked. I had always known that I was a sensitive person that wasn't new to me, but when she used those terms, highly sensitive, it really resonated. And Mm -hmm. I thought, have I, have I heard of this before? This sounds oddly familiar. So I gave it a Google. I consulted, consulted the Oracle that is Google and uh, discovered that this is an actual thing. This is a physiological genetic trait. This affects my body, my, my nervous system. This is real. And when I learned that it was so affirming, all the puzzle pieces fit together. Everything made sense. And I felt so empowered and emboldened in my temperament once I learned what it was. And once I learned that it contains a myriad of innate superpowers. So I'm just like, oh my gosh, I am magical. (laughs) Like I possess something extraordinary. And 
I learned that one in five people possess this trait. So that's 15 to 20% of the world population, which is significant. And that means 15 to 20% of the world population process and view the world differently than 80 to 85% of the rest of the world. And a lot of people who are highly sensitive don't know it. They're unaware. And so they don't take pride in their temperament. They don't understand that it has a myriad of benefits and advantages. And so when I learned this of myself, I could not help but choose to further a movement of of spreading HSP awareness and championing HSPs to thrive in a world that does not cater to our temperament. Yeah. And I remember when the first time I heard the term Royal advisor, it was Mm -hmm. something that went off in me and I went, Oh my God. Yeah. Because I've always served in that role. I mean, I've been a consultant. I've, I've, you know, I've held really um, heavy positions at businesses where I've, you know, been responsible for hundreds and hundreds of people and hundreds of millions of dollars. And I was always the go-to person with a solution. And whenever somebody would say, hey, what would you say if somebody said this? And I would go, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, wait, could you say that again? I'm like, no, I just said it. It came out of my head. I can't do it. Yeah. And when, when I started learning about this, I had that same kind of excitement that you did. Like, oh my God, I there, number one, there's other people like me and I'm not yep. crazy. Nope, and not number crazy. two, I totally see how instead of seeing myself as so wrong and different from others, what I'm going to flip that in my head and see how this is an incredible strength, yes. but we're not taught that there's people like us. And, you know, I'm 53 years old, so I didn't find out until I was 51 that this even existed. I mean, my whole world, you know, opened to a new level. It makes me wish I would have found it in my twenties. Um, yeah, it would have been actually now that would, yeah, I, that probably been right around when it was, uh, you know, coined. So probably that, that would have been mind blowing to be in the beginning of it then. <laughs> right. I wish that, uh, the world would have made it easier for you to find this information at the time, but you know, this is just now starting to become, um, known about. Yeah. And to your point too, um, I, I've had those same feelings. Like, you know, you look at people and go, how can you just, you know, why does something make me miserable? And I, I can do it. Like I can do those things. I can do those jobs that you don't like, but mm-hmm. I'm miserable and it takes a huge toll on me, but why can other people seemingly get by? And one of the things I've learned is that other people aren't as miserable as, as I was, they might have the same job. They might not even like it, but they didn't feel the misery that I did because they're like, oh, well, it's a job. I'm happy with it. You know, it's good enough. And I'm like, how it just blew my mind. And now I completely understand that what that makes people like you and I click is not the way other people click. And that's thank goodness for them. And thank goodness for us that we know it now. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, clarity brings peace. And now that we have that clarity around who we are, the core of who we are, now we're at peace because we understand why we are the way we are. And we understand that we have advantages and we can understand how to use them. Feels great. Yeah, absolutely. So then, you know, taking this and putting this into an entrepreneurial journey is also a a different kind of challenge. Um, I've been a multiple, you know, I guess, serial entrepreneur. And now it's funny because I've had successful entrepreneurial uh, endeavors before, and I've had some that didn't work out as well. But now that I've really tuned into this, this has really helped me. Um, Whereas in other areas, I was still struggling as an entrepreneur. Um, How has this transition been for you? Because it's not also an easy transition transition to say, okay, it's one thing to, 
work in an environment where you have a set, you know, you show up every day and here's the expectations. When you're an entrepreneur, you're the only one telling you what to do. It's easy to get off track as well. So how have you made that? How have you done through that transition? Thank you for asking. So it has been a wild roller coaster ride, as every entrepreneur will tell you. Uh, the natural state of things in life is flux, and that goes twofold for being an entrepreneur and running a business. Flux, 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 constant changes and shifts, constant learning and unlearning, um, all of that. And so I've definitely gone through that where, you know, it's been frustrating. How do I create offers and services? How do I market things? I really struggle with marketing and all of that. And um I've had, you know, I've had successes on my own as a solopreneur, but what I have learned, what has really um, been a huge advantage to me and uh, running my business successfully is hiring an aligned team. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of solopreneurs out there uh, who run their own businesses. They're a team of one. And that's how we start out, right? You know, we usually start out as a team of one and we're usually doing everything ourselves in the beginning. You know, we're doing the marketing, we're doing the advertising, we're doing, you know, the content creation, we're creating services and products, you know, everything that you could think of under the sun, you're doing it. And I hate that. I hate (laughs) being a solopreneur. It's too stressful. The Achilles heel of every HSP is overstimulation. So we are constantly trying to prevent and combat overstimulation physically in our bodies and emotionally and mentally. So hiring someone has been my greatest asset. And what's so important about that is HSPs, one of our superpowers is that we are fiercely intuitive. Like our intuition is on point. And so that is really helpful in uh, deciphering who to hire, deciphering what you need and listening to what your physical body and mind are telling you, how they're responding to the stress you're under, how your physical body and mind are responding to all the multiple tasks you're doing. And so using that intuition and actually choosing to honor it and respect it by hiring someone to help and bringing someone in so that I can work in my zone of genius um, and they can handle everything else that's not in my zone of genius has really been helpful. We so often we don't listen to our intuition, we say, yeah, you know, I thought about that, but then, you know, (laughs) I decided to just, you know, not think about it, put it out of my mind because it was too complicated of a thought. Uh, Thinking about that, you know, gave me stress because then it means I have to take action doing something else. And it's like, no, 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 no. Listen, that is your inner compass. It's talking to you for a reason. Let it guide you in ways that are going to help you run this business in a way that's in alignment with your integrity. Mm -hmm. So yes, hiring people has a has been my greatest asset. That's what I've really learned through being a, as, an entrepreneur. As you were talking, I was thinking about a, a decision I made um, that I now that now that I know what I know, um, right. I made a, a switch. And you know, talking about you know how you manage your energy and um, how you know when you're in that focus where you're just go go go. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to just. I'm just going to get it done, especially when you're a solopreneur, but I made a big change with our podcast a couple of years ago and we increased to five days a week. And Mm. so, you know, I had people all scattered all in my, um, you know, I, all throughout the month I'd have, you know, I might have a, a um, client meeting followed by a podcast taping, followed by a pitch meeting, you know, and I said, this is crazy. I can't do this. And this is before I knew I was an HSP. And so I like, I can't do it. I'm going to take all the 20 to 22 episodes and I'm going to tape them during a one week period of time. 
which in some sense was smart because then I could focus on everything there. And I said, everything else, you know, is off the, off the, uh, off the track. But what happened to me during those weeks when I would do that is I would, every single day I was exhausted because I was doing five or six interviews every day. Mm. And by the end of that week, I'd have to spend the entire weekend, you know, in bed, basically like, you know, watching Hallmark channel movies. And, uh, and so I made that shift after I realized what this was doing to me and it's much better. And we're actually shifting now again, we're going down to only three days a week with the podcast because now we don't need it the same way anyway. And we, you know, we're operating at a different level, but as I get better and better and better, I'm learning so much more about my, myself and what I need during the day. And, and I actually just today, uh, when I was doing one of my, uh, you know, kind of free writings, I said, I know my intuition is telling me I need to block one whole day just to do planning See? and I haven't done it for a while. And so I went through and I blocked off the day for it. And I'm like, you probably need three, but we'll start with one. <laughs> and, uh, and those are the things that when you listen to yourself, um, and I think all of us, there might be people listening that are like, well, I'm not a highly sensitive person, but I think it's a great lesson that we can teach others is that sometimes when we're go, 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 go so fast, we wear ourselves out thinking we have to do that. But until your body or your mind or somebody, you know, you're listening to a podcast that says, is that really what you need to do? We don't always stop. We do not advocate for ourselves. And uh, I consider myself many things, a boundary badass. And the, another thing I consider myself is a self-advocacy authority because we are the authorities of our own lives, of our own minds, of our own bodies. And so many of us are not comfortable with self-advocating and mainly because it's not, it wasn't modeled for us growing up. Um, Self-advocacy was not something that was prioritized in our families for most of us. It was not prioritized in institutions growing up, but like in schools and even as adults in professional institutions, self-advocacy is not encouraged. It is not championed and it's not taught. And that's why it's so difficult for us, especially what, I was going to say, especially in professional settings, but really in any setting, professional settings, relationship settings, we tend to choose not to self-advocate and listening to our intuition and choosing to take action to support it is a form of self-advocacy and it's powerful. And I am hoping we're going to take a quick break here in a second, but I am hoping that we're getting better at this because I mean, even Mm -hmm. after all the things that we've seen with athletes in the last year, you know, Simone Biles saying, I'm, I'm going to drop out a part of the Olympics and, um, uh, uh, Naomi, oh, I can't think of her name, uh, Osaka, no, no, Naomi Osaka saying, Hey, I'm, I'm pulling out of, you know, uh, whichever tennis tournament she did. I know it's a big one, yeah. you know, it's that then prompted Powerade to, to create this whole set of commercials called the power pause, which I'm like, there you go. Like that's, I'm so thankful that was never anything that would have ever been considered when I was in my teens. You know, yeah. we didn't, we didn't think about that. You just went, went, went. I mean, now we're looking at high school starting at 9 a.m. instead of 7 a.m. Oh, what? Because teenagers, teenagers actually need more sleep. Yes, <laughs> they know? do. I, I think about this as an adult and I'm like, oh my God, like I will open my eyeballs at like 7.45, cozy in bed. And I, and I think that I'm like, this is still early, but I would have been in my seat at school by now. This is wild. So I love learning. (laughs) I know me too. We're going to have fun. Well, we're going to take a quick pause and we're going to hear from our sponsor for the month and we will be right back. 
Do you want to be a go-to expert that news reporters, anchors, and media producers turn to? Are you a media professional looking for credible, reliable, and timely guests? If you answered yes to either of those questions, then Shock Your Media Potential is for you. This one-of-a-kind platform connects vetted experts with news professionals around the globe. As a part of our launch celebration, you can participate for free in our Shock Your Media Potential virtual conference running March 28th through April 1st. Together with my co-host, Eddie Luisi, known as stage manager to the stars and also stage manager for Good Morning America, we have interviewed 25 media personalities and professionals to ask them the questions you need to know the answers to. Like, how can I make myself more newsworthy? How do I best pitch a story? How do I get invited back again and again? And much more. Some of our guests are household names with exceptional on-camera careers. Others are award-winning directors, producers, camera operators, audio engineers, celebrity hair and makeup professionals, and so much more. To learn more about our platform and our conference today, go to shockyourmediapotential.com. And we are back with Alexandria Thibodeau. And uh, I know I, I was thinking we were talking about school right before the break and I took zero hour, you know, like in high school, I was in zero hour and then I've had extra stuff after school, you know, and I remember being on the bus cause I had to take the bus to school, the city bus mm-hmm. uh, in high school and being on the bus at like 6, 15 AM going, what am I doing? <laughs> like, this is horrible. It's horrible. It doesn't make sense. And especially HSPs, you know, we're all human beings. We all need sleep. We all need adequate sleep as human beings, as animals. And with that, everything is, you know, double for HSPs because we experience life in high def, our bodies and our minds do. So we actually need ample sleep more than the average person. Like if we do not like, you know, they say the average is about eight hours of sleep. We need that eight hours, not seven and a half, because that last half hour is like, that's going to set me off. Like it is paramount because our nervous systems are so sensitive. We need to recharge Yeah. I, you know, if I, if I were this one thing I've been thinking about and I've been trying to go get better about going to actual bed earlier. And then I read for a little bit, but, um, I need eight and a half hours. If I had eight and a half hours of sleep every night, I would be like unstoppable. Most of the time I get eight. Um, but if I have even two days where I get under eight, it might be seven hours and 50 minutes, but if it's under eight hours, one day I can make it two days, I'm not doing well, three days, and I'm going to be sick. And it's, you know, it's really important to read your body because those, you know, those are important things. And then I'll know people like, oh, I only sleep five hours a night. And I'm like, part of me is kind of jealous. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. And the other part of me is like, oh man, I wouldn't even want that. I don't want to be up at 5am every day. That's horrible. (laughs) You can't even conceptualize that. No, (laughs) I can't. And like, I, I'm a hiker. I live in Denver, Colorado. And, you know, I, I love the nature here. I do hike. I take advantage of it. And there's several 14ers here and it's like a thing, you know, Coloradoans want to like climb all the 14ers. Yep. The idea of that sounds lovely, (laughs) but I would have to be on the trail at like 3 30 AM. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's for me and that's okay. (laughs) And that's okay. 
Exactly. I, I agree. Well, so now tell me, um, you know, with what you do and, and a lot of coaching, um, when somebody's, you meet with somebody and they're like, hey, I, I think this might be for me. What kind of dialogues are you having with them? You know, are they just starting to get to know their HSPs? Are they, um, you know, are they just like maybe open to the idea? How do you, how do you see people in those first you know, moments. Cause I was like, I remember with me, I was like, my mind was blown. I had no idea. And then the thought that maybe there was somebody who could help me navigate it really blew my mind. What kind of experiences do you have when you find people like me? <laughs> this is a great question. So I get varying experiences like the ones you described. There are people who come to me and say, Hey, I just discovered this about myself. So, some people actually say, Hey, like I Googled uh, HSP and you came up, which is really, really cool. I'm, I'm so flattered and honored by that. And so they're like, I just learned this about myself. I have all this information in my head. I'm really excited about it, but I don't really know what to do with all this information. And so they come to me and they're like, tell me what to do. Like, this is so new to me. And like, I'm ready to, to, to thrive, but I'm not exactly sure how to apply all this information. I'm not sure how to move forward in relationships. Uh, my family has always thought that I've been annoying. How do I tell them this? How do I explain this to them? How do we move forward in a way to support me? And then there are other people who are aware that they are highly sensitive and they're like, oh my God, I've actually known this about myself, but I haven't been aware of someone who specializes in supporting others with this. This is actually new. And so finding you really excited me because now, like you said, Michael, they're like, I'm not alone. So someone else can actually support me in this and guide me in ways that feel aligned to me and guide me in ways that feel good to my integrity and guide me in ways that protect my peace. And then there are other people who reach out and they say, I think I'm this person. I think I'm an HSP, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, so I want to talk to you about that and get more information about myself. Some people will come to me and say, I'm an empath. Is that the same thing? And honestly, yes. Um, the, the term empath and HSP are the same. So the term empath is like a, an adjective to describe, um, really, really empath is a term to describe a highly sensitive person. Um, HS, being an HSP means you have um, a genetic trait called sensory processing sensitivity. It's, mm -hmm. it's not like a condition. It's not a diagnosis. Uh, it's not anything bad. It's just the name of a temperament. And right. it's caused by an inherent gene that alters uh, the functionality of our nervous system, which affects our brain. Um, so where was I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> I sing too. Uh, you were talking about uh, the people that might come to you and say, I know this, I'm not That's sure it. what to do with it. it. <laughs> That's it. Empath. Thank you so much. So there is a part of the HSP brain called the motor, the motor neuron area. And that is the area in our brain that is associated with understanding people's feelings and thoughts and intentions. And so that's empathy. And so that part of the brain is more activated in the HSP brain. So all HSPs are naturally very, very empathic. Um, mm -hmm. So some people will come to me and say, you know what, I, I think I'm an empath. I've heard of that. I know that. Is this the same thing? And I say, yes, it is. And so now they, they were only able to identify that, you know, they are empathic, they can feel others' emotions, they can tap into others' feelings. But now that they learn that they're highly sensitive, that they have this genetic trait, now they learn that they have all these other superpowers in addition to empathy. And then they're like, oh my God, I didn't realize this. And it's really exciting. It's, it's really fun to work with HSPs because whether people 
whether the clients that come to me are fully aware that they're HSP or not, they're all excited. They're all excited to learn about this, which is a joy. Yeah. It is. <laughs> and it really is because if you've, if you've felt any of this, then when you know that you're not alone, it is so freeing. Yeah. And when I started having the right um, language to talk about it with my husband, mm-hmm. That was incredibly powerful because then I can talk to him about how, why I react in certain ways and why I, you know, why some things shut me down or why some things, you know, I might want to ignore. And um, and in dialoguing with him, it helps me to not only do better in the relationship. I don't mean do better, like I'm bad or, you know, good at how I operate, but allows me to, to, to navigate systems or situations better So there's a better outcome, including times where I'll say, I'll say, I know this is an important conversation. I, I need to ask for a break. I need us to take a break because this is overwhelming me. And I, I promise you, I will come back and we'll revisit it, but I need to take a break at this moment. And that's been really powerful to be able to say, and he's really respectful of it. But before he knew what I was too, he didn't know how to respond to it. If I, you know, shut down or I got agitated about something. And so he, when I say I need a break, you know, before he could see, you know, like physically I'd even, you know, especially when we'd talk about, you know, in really important issues, like in the beginning, we were talking about finances. I'd never had a partner where I discussed finances before. And so that made me very uncomfortable. So even the physicality of me was in a protective mode. And now we have great conversations. I mean, we had that long before, but um, uh, long before I, I understood I was an HSP, but the way I can dialogue now takes it even farther and allows me to have new language that, that brings us closer together. And he's, he's, he's recognizing things in me. And that's, uh, that's really helpful. That's, it's really freeing when all of my life, I just felt like, why do I respond this way? Or why do I have these things? Um, and we're not alone. It's, yeah. I love everything you said. Oh my goodness. I wholeheartedly champion everything that you just said, everything that you said that represents what you're doing. This is why I consider myself an interpersonal communication and relationship strategist, because relationships are all about effective communication. You cannot have a mutually fulfilling relationship if the communication between the two people is not effective. If you are not speaking to the other person or each other in ways that they can hear you, if you're not speaking honestly about your experience, if you're not asserting your needs, if you're not sharing your reality. And when we learn about ourselves, when we understand ourselves, it is easier for us to self-advocate. And And if the way we self-advocate is by effectively communicating to others in our relationships, any interpersonal relationship, whether it's professional, platonic, romantic, whatever, uh, we're always going to have to advocate for ourselves. We're always going to have to communicate and that's just it. And so what you said is so true. It's so powerful that you advocate for yourself once you have an understanding of your gifts, of your superpowers, and then you make choices specifically to champion and respect your integrity. And when you do that, you're able to protect your peace. It's a gorgeous cycle. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I'll just, I'll share two quick little stories with you because it's something now that I I can look back on. Number one, I remember times in my earlier career when um, long ago, you know, 10, 20, 25 years ago, 
where I would have times where now I realize I was in a, you know, real, uh, like a hiding shadows mode. Um, you know, something would stress me out and it would normally be revolve around not being perfect. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not at a hundred percent of my quota. I'm only at 98, you know, I mean, these things that most people would say, why are you stressed about that? And so I remember um, in one job where I was like only 95% to my quota and we still had, you know, it was like January 15th. We still had, you know, the whole quarter to go and, um, or nine, you know, 95% of where I needed to be that day. And my boss would call and I would see his phone number and I wouldn't answer. And it might take me a couple of days before I listened to his voicemail. And I would start these stories in my head, like, oh my God, he's, you know, he's, I'm failing him. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to be, you know, and now I look back and go, wow, what was going through my head? But now I understand. And by the time I'd listen to the voicemail, it'd be nothing. He'd like, hey, I just want to let you know, hey, good job. Or I something here, or, hey, I want to get your input on something. And so then I'd call him back and he'd like, hey, I didn't hear from you. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't see your phone call. I mean, I totally lie about it because I was embarrassed that I didn't pick up the phone and it turned out to be nothing. And I got better at that as I got older, but it was still something that would always, that would always be in the back of my head, this sense of, you know, I'd create a story about why I wasn't perfect enough and why that was going to have a negative repercussion. But the follow-up story to that was, I was also still in that zone and I kept being concerned about it. And so when he would come do ride-alongs with me, I was in a sales position. I would make jokes like, oh, I bet you're going to fire me, you know? And finally, one day he goes, I'm going to tell you something. You have to stop saying that you think you're going to get fired. He goes, because I have no intention of firing you unless you keep saying that, because it makes me wonder why you think you should be fired. And I remember going, you know, it was a self-defense mechanism that I was using, thinking I wasn't good enough. And he's like, you are the top of this entire team. Like, Everybody wants to be who you are and what you do and what you've accomplished. Why are you doing this? And I just felt foolish at the time. But now that I look back, I understand that young Michael and I know what she was doing and I understand that. And if there's one thing that this dialogue or any other dialogue about this can resonate with anybody is that those times when you think you're just crazy and that, you know, you're doubting yourself that much, you might have this trait, even a little bit of it that is keeping you from relaxing and and becoming who you can be, which is pretty amazing when we lean into these talents. Oh my gosh. Again, I loved everything you said because it's so real. And I relate to that story. Never told those stories at all. Well, I'm very honored that you chose to share with me and your audience today. I'm grateful for that. Thank you for sharing. It's important to share your story. So I relate to this so hard. I'm the exact same way. I ignore calls all the time because I don't want to talk. It's too overwhelming. It's too stressful. I'm not ready. I haven't prepared. I haven't planned. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And um, I will do the same thing. And even even in moments where it's positive and I'll still do this. I've I've gotten, I don't want to say I've gotten better because I'm not sure it's necessarily something something I need to like better, but I'm I'm becoming more comfortable with this Mm -hmm. uh, fact about myself. Like for example, if I know, if I know I'm getting a testimonial from a client, I'm excited, right? Because it's going to be positive words about me, positive words of affirmation, yay. Then when I get the email, I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh my God. And then I don't open it for like three days because I know 
because I know reading all these positive things is going to be overstimulating. It's going to be overstimulating in a good way. It's all positive. It's going to make me happy. But literally, this is why I like to emphasize being highly sensitive person is a physiological genetic trait because it literally does affect you physically. Like my body feels like it's buzzing or like on fire. And it's just like, oh, I'm so happy and excited, but like, this is uncomfortable and I'm really hot. Um, yep. yep. So this yeah. movement. Yeah. <laughs> you get, get it. it. You You're get like, it. Okay. You're like, <laughs> and I'll, sometimes even on interviews on podcasts, I'll have to be like, I'll say to the interview, I'll be like, you know what? Give me a second. I need to take a breath because I'm getting overstimulated. Absolutely. But what else you said at the end, um, uh, how at work you would say like, oh, you're going to fire me, tee hee hee, in like this kind of self-deprecating way. I did the exact same thing. Um, I would talk to my colleagues and be like, oh my gosh, I don't understand this. I have a stupid question. Can you help me? Oh my God, I'm sorry I'm being so annoying. And then someone said that to me. They're like, can you stop doing that? Because it makes me feel like, you don't know what you're doing um, and you do know what you're doing. It's just, it's, it's amazing that we share those similar stories and it's because we were overstimulated and we weren't comfortable advocating for ourselves. And mm-hmm. I also, what you said, everything you said was amazing. The last thing you said was uh, when we, basically you said like when we allow ourselves, basically give ourselves permission to be ourselves. Thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. This is the foundation of my practice, self reverence, which means to revere yourself, which means to have deep admiration and deep respect for yourself. That is rare. And the idea of reverence and revering others is extremely common in the majority of our cultures and societies. Like celebrity culture is a perfect example. We deeply admire and deeply respect celebrities, but it's Mm -hmm. not just them. It's all kinds of people. It's our family members, our elders, our parents, you know, we revere scholars and politicians and, you know, authors, writers, but how often do we deeply admire and deeply respect ourselves? And I I say that's different than self-confidence. I mean, to have self-confidence means to have a secure sense, a secure feeling in your uh, skills and abilities, a sense of security in your skills and abilities. It's a feeling. Mm-hmm. But I like to say that self-reverence is self-confidence in action. It's self-love in action. Because it's one thing to feel like you have a strong sense of security in your abilities, but it's another to actually put it into practice yeah. and to do it regularly. And when we nurture and maintain self-reverence, then it's easier for us to accept who we are. It's easier for us to self-advocate. It's easier for us to champion the weird different things about ourselves. So all that to say, everything you said was so awesome, Michael. Loved it so much. Mm. I know we could go on forever because we could have just total love fest (laughs) and just keep talking and everybody listening going, you guys have a lot of energy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Alexandria, thank you. And we're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, but just in case wants to look you up right now because they're like I don't even want to look at the show notes I want to find her what's the best way for them to do that um find me on twitter I'm at Alexandria Tibb um so first name Alexandria last name T as in Tom H as in Henry I B as in boy so you can find me there and you can also find me on instagram at Alexandria Thibodeau underscore and you can find me at alexandriatibido.com. I've got a blog on there. I blog a lot. The content's fascinating if I do say so myself. So find me there. 
Excellent. Well, you've already shared a lot of your wisdom, but do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Yes. Abundance is your birthright. Claim it. Ah, beautiful. Alexandria, thank you for being with us today. It's an absolute joy to know you and to uh, feel that HSP love between us. It's gorgeous. Thank you again, Michael. And thank you everyone for choosing to listen to me. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.